You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Yesterday, everything was doom and gloom with the New York Mets, but that is the beauty of baseball. There's always tomorrow, and for the Mets, they needed Wednesday as they swept their doubleheader against the Pirates to win another series to get back on track and to take sole possession of first place in the National League East again. On the show today in the first segment, I'll talk about game one of that doubleheader. Second segment, we'll go through game two. We're going to close out the show talking about some injury notes as Max Scherzer hit the IL and Starling Marte is day-to-day with a finger injury. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by Vroom. With Vroom, you can buy a car entirely online and have it delivered straight to you, so you never have to go to a dealership again. So next time you need to buy a car, just grab your phone, go to Vroom.com, and check out thousands of great cars. So the New York Mets needed Wednesday. They needed to go out. They needed to beat this Pirates team. And Chris Bassett really did answer the call in game one. This guy's been so good lately. You look at what he's done since August. I talked about this on yesterday's show. In August, he pitched a 162 ERA. Last time out against the Dodgers, he beat them six innings, allowed just two earned runs. Now today he goes seven innings, allows just one, five hits allowed, just one walk. The Mets had to get that type of performance from Bassett as a stopper, and then the lineup needed something. And the answer today was to put Pete Alonso in the two-hole. They, they flipped things around. They put Jeff McNeil in the cleanup spot where Pete has been all year. But I think what Buck was trying to do is just change things up for Pete. Get him in that bat in the first inning no matter what. You know, Try to not make him think too much. Just, just, just do something to jolt them. And it worked because in that first inning, Brandon Nemo gets on with the hit. Pete Alonso doubles him over to third. Lindor gets out. Jeff McNeil sack fly. Mets are on the board. And the way they played offensively to get a one nothing lead in the first inning with Bassett on the hill, I think that was huge for them, really big for the confidence. And then you get over to the fourth inning, and that's where the Mets really did pull away a little bit. And Tyler Naquin was the hero, if you really want to talk about it in this game. Daniel Vogelback gets a hit. Mark Canna hit by a pitch. And it is Naquin playing in place of the injured Strong Marte, who we're going to talk about in the final segment here, who hits a three-run homer. Eduardo Escobar then shows up out of that. Next batter, back-to-back homer. So now, sitting there, 5 nothing lead. Uh, Bassett gave up that run in the bottom of the six. But regardless, it, it didn't matter. The Mets are able to cruise to a victory here. And coming out of the bullpen, we have to shout him out. Seth Lugo, two scoreless innings. Lugo... With this performance, lowered his season ERA under three. It's at 2.96 now. So that's really a good revelation for the Mets. I'm thinking more and more about this bullpen, and while it is still something to be concerned about, don't you think that their problems are suddenly solved? But to have Seth Lugo pitching the way he has lately, with Adam Adovino, who's been great all year, with Edwin Diaz, who's been the best relief pitcher in baseball, 
all year. They now have three guys you trust, and, and that's really the basis of what you want heading into the playoffs. The last time the Mets had a bunch of playoff success, 2015, how deep was that bullpen really? Because I remember the big change after the deadline that let that team take off is they got Tyler Clippard, and they got Addison Reed to pair with Jerry Familia, who at the time uh, wasn't maybe quite as dominant as Edwin Diaz, but certainly that type of a lockdown closer. Having three guys was really the answer. I like the Mets three guys now in that bullpen, and I, I love what they're getting out of their starters. So maybe they have enough. We'll see. But they need Seth Lugo. Seth Lugo is just becoming more and more important to see him really uh, close down that game. Two innings. You don't have to go to Adovino. You don't have to go to Diaz. You didn't need him because – Jacob DeGrom was great in the nightcap, and the Mets' offense exploded, but you didn't know that during that game. So to avoid using them to close out that win, uh, that was big for the Mets. The confidence boost uh, of breaking that losing streak and and getting back on track carried over into the game um, at night there, and the Mets were just able to steamroll the Pirates and and cruise to a victory, which was much needed because the Braves won again. So had the Mets lost either of these games, They are in second place for the first time since April. That is not the case. They have regained sole possession of first. uh, And I think really did erase a lot of some of that doubt among Mets fans. And I'm looking right at myself in the camera here. First time all year I was pessimistic on yesterday's show. Maybe a little bit on Monday as well. Because you can't lose a series to the Nationals. and You can't show up as flat as they did against the Pirates. After losing a series to the Nationals. But... One thing I said on that show yesterday, all year the Mets have been able to answer when, when they go through any adversity. They've answered. This was important for them, and I want to talk about that second game and also you know, what this means a little bit more in just a minute. But before we get to that, summer's winding down. The nights are getting longer, but the breeze isn't the only thing that's getting stiff. That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, we all know that confidence can take you far in life. That's especially true in the bedroom especially when it's time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical professionals, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and are prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. With Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, promo code locked on to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Game two Mets Pirates. Go to the top of the second inning. The Pirates handed one to the Mets, and the Mets gladly accepted it. Now, they took advantage. They had 17 hits in this game, and the offense came alive. But in that second inning, wow, 
Johan Oviedo, whew, not good uh, to say the least. Walks three, actually walks four in that inning, walked in a run, allowed a run on a wild pitch, just awful. They had to pull him, got him with the hook, and then they go to the bullpen. First guy out, Eric Stout, Francisco Lindor doubles uh, and drives in two more. Four run, second inning, Jacob DeGrom on the hill. That's all you needed, really. Uh, fourth inning, the Mets got some more. James McCann, who actually has been swinging a little bit of a better bat, led off the inning with a base hit. Brandon Emma lined out. Pete Alonzo got a hit. Francisco Lindor doubled in a run. Uh, then you had Jeff McNeil, single in two. Seven-nothing Mets, DeGrom on the hill, game over. That's simple. And Jacob DeGrom, the funny thing is, and, and the Mets did tack on two more runs in the seventh, I should mention. Tyler Naquin, RBI double. Eduardo Escobar, RBI hit. He has been great lately. Um, Daniel Vogelback got a base hit to drive in a run in the eighth inning as well. But you look at Jacob DeGrom in this one, didn't have his best stuff, right? Eight strikeouts. Didn't have his best stuff. Only allowed three hits. Didn't have his best stuff. Walked just one batter. Didn't have his best stuff. Goes through seven scoreless innings on 91 pitches. That is the marvel that is Jacob DeGrom. Lowered his season ERA at a 1.66. Adam Montevino got a little bit of work with a scoreless inning. Uh, before they went to Claudio to close it out. But uh, just a, a nice, easy victory. Edwin Diaz did not pitch in this series, if I'm not mistaken. So he has had a, a lot of rest, as there hasn't been an opportunity for him. I like not forcing him into the game. I thought they might, which I would have been fine with with a day off on Thursday. But, you know, keep him on ice for, for when the series or when the games really matter and you get him into a tight spot. But that game was just a joy. It was a joy to see the Mets beat up on a team they're supposed to beat up on. 17 hits. You look up and down the lineup. Pete Alonso, a couple of multi-hit games, has to have him feeling good. Two for four. Uh, you got Lindor, multi-hit game, two for four, three RBIs. Jeff McNeil got three hits, three for five with two RBIs. You have Vogelback got the RBI hit, but one for six. Not necessarily the best game out of him. Mark Canna, though, multi-hit game, two for four, score two runs. Tyler Naquin, Two for four with an RBI and a run scored. And then Eduardo Escobar, four for five in this game. Escobar suddenly red hot. Who saw this coming? I think I actually did. I tweeted out that Eduardo Escobar was going to have a big September. I'm giving myself credit for a take that I'm not entirely sure I put out in the ether. I'll tell you, Jordan Grossman can back me up on this. And it's not just because he does social media for us. Uh, but you see him on Fridays for our farm reports. And uh, I know for a fact that me and him had a conversation. I said, I just feel like he's going to break out for some reason. Now we're seeing it with everyday playing time. Eduardo Escobar is starting to find his swing, not only a swing from the right side, which he's had all year, or at least to a certain extent, but now the swing from the left side starting to come around. In September, Eduardo Escobar is hitting 455 with three home runs, 500 on base percentage, 864 slugging percentage. Um, just three strikeouts and 22 at-bats, looking a lot better at the dish. And, you know, obviously, I'm still a big proponent of Luigi Orme. He should be back maybe next week. You might get back into a timeshare at third base, which I'm okay with. But it's really good to see him contribute. And honestly, if Eduardo Escobar just has one great month this year, and I'm looking through the numbers right now, uh, August dreadful. Um, July had six home runs. 462 slugging, not the worst, but 245 on base, not a good month. June, I mean, 
Not a good month. Three home runs, 378 slugging. I mean, the whole year he has struggled. His best month was probably in April when he had 253 with a 378 on base and a 427 slugging percentage. That was about as good as it got. If the Mets get one great month, though, in September, every penny of the contract is worth it. I don't know about the long-term um, viability of Eduardo Escobar as the New York Mets starting third baseman. Honestly, I don't think that is really the answer moving forward with Brett Beatty in the pipeline and uh, you know having Louis Guillaume still in tow and knowing that you have Mark Vientos as another ancillary option going into next season. I don't know how much playing time Eduardo Escobar continues to get um, from the Mets throughout the remainder of this contract. If he gives you one good month that wins the division, though, 20-plus million dollars well spent, I think it might be. That is how critical these games are. And look, it's bad pitching, all right? This month, who has he faced that he's gotten hot on? It's the Nationals and the Pirates. But you need guys that can beat up on bad pitching, and if he can do that for this team and help them win a division – Eduardo Escobar is fine in my book. So I look at the net result of the day and you're half game up. Okay. They're not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but they've gotten back to doing what I talked about on yesterday's show. Just win each series. I don't care about the sweeps. I don't care about looking at the schedule. You see the, the Marlins, the pirates and the Cubs, or I think it's the Marlins Cubs and pirates, regardless of the next Nine games or so, and, and, and fans want to say, hey, that should be 9-0. and Don't get carried away too much with that. Don't feel that pressure. If the Braves win every single day, they deserve the division. And honestly, look at their record, guys. I hate to say it, but this Braves team has been playing like the best team in baseball for a large stretch right now. After that dreadful start, they have been really good. It's a good ball club that's getting better. Mike Soroka, Ozzie Albies, they're coming back. It's a good team. I think the Mets are right there. I don't think the Braves are better than the Mets. I, I think these are, are two teams that are as close as two baseball teams can be in the same division. That That's really the way I feel. And the Mets have won the head-to-head so far this year, and I think they can go out and win a series in Atlanta, and they can clinch this division, and they can go into the playoffs with some confidence, having the bye, and they could have a deeper run the Braves this year. But these are two great baseball teams. What the Mets have to do is not let up. I don't want to see the Mets lose this division. And to me, them losing the division is not them just going out and winning every series and the Braves are sweeping series so they get the edge. To me, them losing the division would be losing to teams like the Nationals and playing as flat as they did in the first game of this series. And that's why I was so hard on the Mets this week because they didn't look like the team that they've been all year. And I don't know that I, wow, got ahead of myself there. Sometimes, you know, thoughts run away from you. But, like I was saying, let me calm it down, bring it back down. If the New York Mets win every series, if they go out and they beat the teams they're supposed to, I got no problems with this Mets ball club. I just don't. Go out, beat the Marlins this weekend, beat the Cubs, beat the Pirates, beat these bad baseball teams. And if they do that, I believe they're going to go into Atlanta, bare minimum, have a chance to, to go out and, if not clinch the division, put themselves in a spot where they can control their destiny, where they can leave that series with a lead in the National League East and then finish it off against a terrible Nationals team to close out their season. I still believe that to be the case, uh, but they got to go out and prove it. And I, I think the good thing is 
even with some of the injuries they've now sustained, they got enough to beat these bad teams. And we just saw it to have Chris Bassett, to have Jacob DeGrom. You should not be losing any games down the stretch here. When those two guys are on the Hill against these awful teams, you just shouldn't. And they didn't. And you got to tip your cap and, and applaud them for it because they put themselves right back where they've been all year. First place in the national league East in sole possession of first place. And, both these teams are off on Thursday, which I think is really good. The Braves and the Mets. So the, the whole team can just take 24 hours to collectively catch their breath, refocus, and lock in for that series in Miami, which we will talk about on tomorrow's show. But a couple of injuries to discuss. Max Scherzer hits the IL. Starling Marte day-to-day. I'm going to go through those in just a minute. But first, quick word from our sponsors. So Max Scherzer hit the IL on Wednesday, retroactive though to September 4th, which means he is eligible to return on September 19th. He'll miss a couple of turns in the rotation ultimately is the net result here, but I I like the Mets being cautious here. Um, you know, could you have sat on it and maybe you get an extra start out of Scherzer by not putting him on the aisle? Yeah, but the Mets rotation is fine without him currently. They're not fine without him in the playoffs, but when you're facing the Pirates, the Cubs, the Marlins, the Athletics, you can get by with the rotation of Jacob DeGrom, Chris Bassett, Taiwan Walker, um, Carlos Carrasco, and David Peterson. Uh, and I think that, you know, considering what Bassett has been in particular, that even makes it even easier because, look, what he did today, what he's done lately, I, I was really thinking about it. You look at the Mets rotation this year, now that Scherzer has hit the IL again. His availability has prevented him from really being the the most valuable star of the Mets, even though based on F4 he has been. Uh, and he's he's put up Cy Young caliber numbers. I actually wrote an article just today for JustBaseball.com talking about Scherzer. You can find that on Twitter or at JustBaseball. Um, and you can see where I wrote about it, where I gave you the case for Cy Young, which I talked about on Tuesday's show this week. And also I just talked about you know the, the most recent injury and how you're not talking about missing like nine starts for Scherzer on the season, which has just prohibited him a little bit from really being valued and kind of understood for his impact. But availability is still the best ability. So as much as I can look at the numbers and extrapolate them and say, hey, he could be a Cy Young this year if he didn't get hurt, he did get hurt. And when it talks about or when you look at who's been the most valuable starter in this rotation, Taiwan Walker been a little bit up and down. Carlos Carrasco been a little bit up and down and has hit the IL. Bassett has been there month in, month out. He had a couple of months where he wasn't great. You look at May with the 4.63 ERA, but that was really two starts that color that month. You look at the month of June, not the best for him, a 4.70 ERA. And again, a couple of starts, one against the Padres where he gave up seven, um, a couple starts where he gave up three runs, but he's always given the Mets length. And he is taking the ball every fifth day. And he actually just set a career high for innings pitched this year with 161 and a third, topping the mark he had last year, four innings fewer in an entire season. So to see Chris Bassett and what he's done for them, to see Jacob DeGrom pitching to a 166 ERA, you're fine without Scherzer. Play it safe because to me, Scherzer way more valuable in October than now. 
The last thing you want is to be forcing him in there just to win a division. I would rather see the Mets lose this division, but have Scherzer healthy than win this division and Scherzer is 80% going in, into October. So I, I think that was the right call. Starla Marte, I'm not sure if it is the right call to hold him off the IL. Right now, uh, he underwent a CT scan on his right middle finger. That revealed a partial non-displaced fracture. The Mets say he's considered day-to-day, but let's think about this for a second here when it comes to Marte. It's a guy that has dealt with some lower leg injuries this year. Not that they have you know, kept him off the field, but we've just seen him labor at times and pick and choose his spots to run. I think 10 days off could be a blessing in disguise for Starling Marte to be fresh for the playoffs. You have Tyler Naquin. I think it could be good for him also to get some regular playing time. I think the Mets can win with Tyler Naquin in right field with Nemo in center and Canna in left. I don't know who you'd call up from AAA. If you'd get Vientos to grab another bat, and maybe you see a little bit more of Darren Ruff in the outfield and left field, or God forbid, even Mark Vientos in left field, which I wouldn't go to that experiment. Uh, but let's just say against left-handed starters, they start Darren Ruff in left field and Vientos at DH. That's a little attractive to me. So I could see the Mets maybe going that route if they wanted to. Um, or, you know, you can get a, a Polka up, a Don Smith up, just get another bat, just get another player up. You have a 28-man roster right now, so technically you can can keep Marte on ice for a couple days, and if he really does heal in three or four days, fine. If you're telling me there's no risk of further injury, I'm okay with it, but I play it safe at this point with Starling Marte. I just, I hate the idea of him playing through a finger injury too. We've seen a lot of Mets do it this year, and it can be done. You know, Lindor's proven it. Jeff McNeil has proven it. But that middle finger, when it comes to gripping the baseball on his throwing hand, I just don't know how much I want to see the Mets play with fire on that injury. So we'll see what they decide to do right now. It's day-to-day, which is still good. It just tells you the injury is not that severe. Uh, but I also would not be shocked if tomorrow or if on Friday they get to Miami, they evaluate it again, and maybe they say, you know what, let's just play it safe. Let's get somebody else in here. Let's put you on the IL retroactive. And they're only talking about a couple more days anyway. You know, you're talking about him missing uh, the next two series. If you put him on the 10-day IL, I, I don't think that's the end of the world at all for this Mets team. But that will be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. On tomorrow's show, we will preview the upcoming series against the Marlins and also a Friday Farm Report talking about some of the top prospects in the Mets system. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan. Locked On MLB is where you want to go to stay up to date with everything going on in Major League Baseball. You can follow Locked On MLB wherever you get podcasts.